0: And uh, last week, we we started a series just entitled, Go Fish. And uh, I I told you that uh, I am not a fisherman. Uh, I let you know last week that even though my mother tries to tell me that I went fishing as a child, I do not remember it. Uh, She allowed me to know this week that the reason I didn't remember it was because uh, I made my father bait the hook... And also, when the fish was caught, he had to pull it off. And um, if you know me at all, you know that that would still be true today. Uh, I am not a uh, my little girl pick up worms. I'm thinking, what are you doing? Put those things down. Leave them alone. But we begin to talk about the fact that in our lives, we, as we become a follower of Christ, a believer in Christ, that he commands us to go fish. And we looked at Luke chapter 5, where that Jesus was standing on the seashore and he had just gotten through uh, teaching a crowd of people. And he looked at Peter and some other guys and, and he said, and he walked into their boat and he looked at them and he said, Let's go out a little deeper. Now, the story tells us that these men had been fishing all night and they had caught nothing. They had been fishing all night and their boat was still empty. But Peter looks at Jesus and he says, you know, I'm tired. I really don't want to do what you're telling me to do. But because I believe you and because you have shown love toward us, I'm going to do it anyway. And so the Bible tells us that they wrote out a little bit deeper that he told them to let down their nets and they did it and both nets were overfilled that they almost began to break and then when they put them into the two different boats the boats almost began to sink and Peter was so astounded by what had taken place he said I'm not worthy to be in your presence and Jesus immediately told him he said listen all these years you've been fishing as a trade you've been fishing to earn money or to get food. But after today, if you will listen to me, if you will become my follower, you're no longer going to be fishing for anything other than men. And then he began to, it says that, that they left their nets, they left everything that they had, they begin to follow Jesus, and they become fishers of men. And what we need to understand is, is that people who are lost matter To God. So if they matter to God, they should matter to us. Let me say that again. People who are lost matter to God. So they should matter to us. When you become a follower of Christ, a believer in Christ, he said that's not the end, that is not where it stops. It's great that you've made a decision to follow after Christ. But he says, at this point, I'm asking you to to go one step more. I'm asking you to become concerned about the people in your life who need something different. Who need what you have. And this morning, I want you to understand that the way that we live, the way that we walk, the way that we interact with people are more powerful than the words that come out of our mouth. Have you ever had your child come to you and tell you that they love you, but their actions are completely different? How many have ever said, when they say, I love you, you'll say, well, if you love me, you will straighten up. Don't tell me with your mouth, but show something different with your actions. And so as Christians, as followers of Christ, we have to understand that the way that we live, the way that we walk, the way that we talk, the way that we interact with people will be more of a witness than the words that we say. Your testimony, the way that you live, will either make or break what comes out of your mouth. Titus chapter 1 verse 16 says this, Such people claim they know God, but they deny Him by the way they live. They are detestable detestable, and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. People claim to know God, but they deny Him, not with their mouth, but by the way that they live. And this morning, I want to look at a perfect example that is found in the Old Testament of some men who undeniably backed up their words with their actions. It's found in the book of Daniel, and here we have Daniel chapter 1, we read about how that The enemy came in, and they sieged the city where Daniel and other men were. Can you imagine being Daniel? Here you are. You're terrified. There are arrows being fired at your city. There's people banging on the doors. The doors fall down. They rush in. They go after the king. They execute him. They destroy everything in your city that you hold dear They start to destroy the temple of God. You see your loved ones killed. Can you imagine what must have been going through their mind and going through their hearts at this point? Can you imagine not only the the fear, but the frustration? You think about your home. You've worked so hard to to get it to the point that it is. Could you imagine someone coming in and just completely destroying everything that you've worked hard for? Destroying everything that you held dear in your life. That's the situation that Daniel was in. And then they take him and some other men and they say, You're going to be a servant in Babylon. You're coming with me. You're coming with us. We're taking you out of here and we're going to train you for the next three years on how to become a Babylonian. I would imagine that Daniel had a right to be bitter. I would imagine that Daniel had every reason in the world to be upset. There are things that may happen in your life that you can look at and with your human mind and everyone would say, you have a right to be bitter. You have a right to be upset. You have a right to be frustrated. Well, if there was ever anyone who had that right at this moment, I believe it was Daniel. He was taken from everything that he knew. He was taken to an environment that was very unfamiliar. So Daniel had a choice to make. All of these bad things happened, Daniel had a choice to make. He could live his life in bitterness, he could live his life being upset, being mad, or he could say, You know what? It is what it is, and I'm gonna make the best of it. And so Daniel chose an attitude of serving. He said, even though it doesn't make any sense, I'm going to serve. It wasn't something that he had to do, but it was who he was. And can I tell you this morning that our attitude towards situations, our attitude could make or break whether people will come to Christ. Your attitude, my attitude, will make or break whether people come to Christ. Everyone has that choice to make. You have the choice of how you're going to react. And what would it look like in our lives when bad things happen, when everything seems to be going wrong, if we took the route that Daniel took? What would it look like if we had the attitude that Daniel had? You see, the Bible tells us that we're to be, as followers of Christ, we're to be the salt of the earth. You can't be the salt of the earth with a bad attitude. Because you know what happens? If you have a bad attitude, ain't nobody want to be around you. If you see people shying away from you, maybe you need to check your attitude or your deodorant. I see some people really glad to be able to get away. We're not going to shake your attitude or your deodorant this morning. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 7, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form. It says we must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. The king of kings came to be a servant. He came to have the right attitude. In Matthew chapter 20 we read about a story about the disciples. And they're there, and, and the mother of James and John said, Hey, will you do me a favor, Jesus? Will you do me a favor? When you come to your kingdom, can my son sit at your right and your left hand? Let's read exactly what it says. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 through 28. After she said that, they begin to argue. And they begin to think, well, why should they get to do this? And, you know, and Jesus said this. He said, but Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, if you're going to be my follower. If you're going to, to live what comes out of your mouth. Then your attitude is going to have to be different than the world. He said, the son of man came to serve. We cannot be like the world. The world system is is self-serving. The world's system is self-serving. What's in it for me? If we're not careful, we can have that same attitude. I'll do this, but what's in it for me? Jesus said it can't be that way. You see, the kingdom of God isn't self-serving. It's self-giving. It's not what's in it for me. What can I give? What can I do? If you claim to have God in your heart, you must realize that you have to be different than the world. You must realize that we're really not citizens of here. We're citizens of heaven. So here is Daniel in a strange land, away from everything that he knew, everything he was familiar with, but God still used him. Why was God able to use Daniel in this situation? Why can we read the book and find out how that God used him? Why was it? Well, it wasn't because he had a bad attitude. There were a couple of things that allowed Daniel to serve. The first thing was, was that he purposed in his heart he would not defile himself. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. What do you mean? Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. It says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Verse 11, Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion, and tested them for ten days. Verse 15. At the end of the ten days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So basically what Daniel says is, I know that they are giving good food. I know that the king wants us to eat these things, but we don't want to eat them. We're not supposed to eat them. And this man becomes afraid. And he says, If you begin to lose weight, anybody ever went on a Daniel fast? If you go on a Daniel fast and you gain weight, you ain't doing it right. <clears throat> At the beginning of the year, we did 21 days of fasting. And I know of a particular person that went on that fast. They started out weighing 130 pounds. Soaking wet, they ended up weighing about 97. I may be exaggerating a little bit, but but what happens here is is they go on a Daniel fast, they go on a fast of eating vegetables and drinking water, and by the end of that, they looked healthier than the others. You see, what Daniel knew was, he knew that he belonged to God. He knew that God was with him. And even though he was in Babylon, he didn't give in to the temptations. He didn't give in to the ways of the world. Don't let the culture of where you are determine who you are. Don't let the culture of where you are determine who you are. You ever been around someone and that they were always different in whatever setting they were in? And maybe they would get in a setting and and you would think, man, I didn't think they would act that way. It's because they allowed the culture to to determine their actions. And can I tell you that as as a follower of Christ the odds are going to be against you. Because when we begin to walk with God, you're going to see people all around the world, all around your world, the people that you interact with, you're going to to feel like you're in the minority. You're going to feel like that there's no way that you can accomplish what it is that God, you might be the only follower of Christ in your workplace. And you may go into work every day that you go, and you may think, I will never make a difference here. And it's very tempting just to to fall into and in with the majority. But can I tell you that one man walking with God is the majority. Because with God, we are greater than anything that we face. And if God has put you in a place, in the natural, it may look like you're the underdog. In the natural, it may look like that it's you versus the world. And if you start letting the world system get into you, your life's going to fall apart. I've watched it happen too many times. I've watched people who have walked away from God and said, well, I'll just, I'll go over here and do this, but I'll be the strong one. Which is great. I am by no means, if you know me or if you've been around this church for the last 12 and a half years, we do not shy away from the world because there's no way that we can be a light if we lock ourselves in this room and we have a a members only club. But here Daniel was, he was offered food that was offered to the idols, but he would not eat it. He honored God. And we'll find out, and he found out, that when we honor God, He will honor us. God didn't rescue Daniel from this setting. Some of you may be praying, God, get me out of this place. God, get me out of this job. God, get me out of this family. (laughs) I hope you're not praying that. But you may be in situations in your life and you're praying, God, get me out of this. And God might be saying, you're exactly where I want you. He didn't rescue Daniel from the setting that he was in. He could have. But instead, God equipped him to be the best servant in the kingdom. You may be thinking, there is no possible way that God wants me here. It's changing me. You've got to make a decision. You have to make the decision. Do you really realize that you're citizens of heaven? Do you really realize that we are called and that we have the ability to live differently than the world? Daniel chapter 1 verse 17 through 19 says this. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered into the royal service. Here we say, they brought all these men Every one of them before the king, but no one impressed them as much as Daniel and who we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God gave them knowledge, He equipped them to serve in the kingdom, He gave them everything that they needed. So, purposing in your heart is huge. If you're going to be used. Deciding and making a decision not to defile yourself. Not to be like the world. It's very important, but it's not the only thing. You see, sometimes we want to judge our Christianity on all the things that we don't do. Anybody grow up in a home like that? My Christianity is judged on whether or not not I go to the picture show. The moving picture show. That's the movies. I won't ask how many people were raised that way. But too many times, we want to judge our Christianity on all the things that we don't do. If I'm going to be a follower of Christ, I can't do this, 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 this. And if I keep this and, and I don't do these things, that's the basis of my Christianity. We have to take it one step further. It can't just be based on the things that we don't do. But our Christianity is based on the things that we do do. Daniel made a decision to walk in a different way. The way that he handled himself. Walked with love. He walked with honor. He lived his life with abandonment. You see, in the world, living by the way that the world would have us live, we only give honor and love to the people who are deserving in our own eyes. You know it's true. We only show love to the people that we feel like deserve it. It's like we have a, a little book. And we're writing down everything that people do. Okay, they deserve my love. They did this for me. That's the world's values. That's the world's values. And when we do that, we hold back love and honor to people who we think don't deserve it. But in the kingdom of God, we give honor and love because it's who we are. We love the unlovable. We honor those who don't deserve it. That's being a citizen of heaven. I mean, look at Daniel. How in the world is he supposed to serve the most wicked king on the earth? How are you supposed to serve the most wicked boss in the city? How are you supposed to deal with the most carnal people that you know? Let me tell you how you do it. You don't make it about who They are. You make it about who you are. It's not about that person. It's about what's in you. It's about who's in you. Jesus said, we are to be the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. He tells us that we're the salt of the earth. But the salt loses its flavor. Once it loses its flavor, it becomes useless. If you lose your testimony... If you begin to act like the world and have the, a, a bad attitude and an attitude of, of well, I don't, I'm not going to show love towards you because of what you did to me, you're going to lose your flavor. You're going to be useless. When the world looks at us, they have to see something different. When the world views us, they have to see something different. In Daniel chapter 4, we read a little bit more into this story. And we see that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And that no one could interpret it. No one understood it. Daniel said, let me... I've got this knowledge that God's given me. Let me use it to help this wicked man. And what did Daniel say? Something that just goes against everything that is within us. Everything that Daniel had been through. Everything that this king had caused to happen in his life. What did Daniel do? The first thing Daniel said was, when he came before him, he said, King, I wish this wasn't for you, but it was for your enemies. If that would have been us, we would have been walking in there like, King, it's over. Everything that you've done, and we would have been smiling. You're going to get what you deserve. God's taking care of you. Vengeance is mine. You know that's how we would have been. We would have walked in there and said, I know what's going to happen to you, and I'm not sad about it. Daniel walks in and says, King, I know what's going to happen. And I wish it was for somebody else. How much and how big of a testimony is that? When people have hurt us. When people have turned our lives upside down. But we can walk in. With a heart of forgiveness. With a heart that says. I don't want anything bad to happen to you. You've treated me and you've you've turned my life and you've you've messed it up, but I don't want anything bad for you. Too often in life we don't live that way. We let the world's culture get into us and we think, give them what they deserve. Listen, I'll never pray that prayer. I'll never try to have that attitude. Because you know what? I don't want what I deserve. I don't deserve his love. I don't deserve his unconditional love that he gives me. So here's Daniel. He says, I know that you've done me wrong, and I know that, that my life has just been completely changed, but I don't want anything bad for you. I wish it was for somebody else. Daniel served in these kingdoms for over 60 years. For over 60 years he served in these kingdoms. Why was he able to do that? Because he had the right attitude. He walked the walk. And we find later in the book of Daniel how that he was thrown into a den of lions. He was thrown into this den because he would not do, once again, he would not give in to the culture. He would not bow down to the king. He still went to his place. He still prayed three times a day. He was there. He said, I know what the culture is saying, but I know who I belong to. And I'm going to keep doing what I know that I'm supposed to do. And because of that, he was thrown into a den of lions. But he kept living the way that he knew he should. And what happened? Because he made that step, because he made that decision, God was with him. God was with him. And we can live our lives in such a way that the presence of God is with us everywhere that we go. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he said, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will lead you and who will guide you. He said, it's better that I go away. And we have the Holy Spirit living in us. It's God's presence in our lives. There is a presence available for those who are hungry for it. Those who want to walk in it. Those who truly want to move from being a believer to a disciple. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says this, For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. He has rescued us from this world. He has rescued us from what we deserve. And He has brought us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of His dear Son. He said, if you want my presence, if you want to go from darkness to light, it's available. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 and 18 says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink but a living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. Living a life of goodness and peace and joy. How I many people would, would love to live that kind of life? You can. You can. What if we lived our life in such a way that we become magnetic? You ever had those people in your life that you just want to be around? Those people that you can be having a bad day. You can be having a, uh, just everything can be falling apart. And you think, man, if I could just hang out with that person. If you don't have that kind of person in your life, you need them. You need that person who will walk with you and who will pick you up when everything's going wrong. That person that you know no matter what you've done or no matter what you've went through, that person that you can pick up the phone and you know will be there for you. You need that kind of person. And as a follower of Christ, we should want to be that kind of person. We should live our life in such a way with goodness, peace, and joy that others will approve of you too. Others will look to you. Others will want to be around you. Is it possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. God gives us the ability, but it all starts with our attitude. It all starts with changing the way that we think. You may think, man, this is sort of a strange series, moving into a new building. You should be preaching something that people are just, you know, running the aisles, walking the back of the pews. These aren't bolted down. Don't try it. Swinging from the chandeliers, they're they're in the balcony. Some of them. But when we moved into this church, we moved into this new season, I felt so impressed that if we're going to do what these back walls say, love God and love people. He said that's what it all comes down to. Love God and love people. If we're going to do that, we have to understand how to do it. And too often, you ever been given something and they tell you, this needs to be done, but they don't have, you have no instruction? You don't know, and you just have to do it the best that you can? It's frustrating, isn't it? And as we begin to move into this church and we begin to move into this community, I said, God, what is it? And we realized that we had six weeks. The seventh week is Easter. And God said, for the first six weeks, just give people instruction on how to make a difference in their world. Give people instruction in how to fish for men. What if we lived our life in such a way? What if we showed up to work early? You know, there's a lot that happens around here before you ever get here. There's people that are here late on Saturday night cleaning. Man, this is a big building to clean. We're going to have a special life group just for cleaning. You think I'm kidding, but I'm serious. (laughs) We was in here last night, and the only thing I could smile about was it was a lot easier to clean this Saturday night than it was last Saturday night. But nothing makes my heart as a pastor more excited to get here on a Sunday morning and for people to show up early. People say, what can I do to help? How can I be a servant? What if we lived our life that way? What if we realized at our job that our boss isn't our source but God is? That it's not that boss or that co-worker that has the final say. It's God. And my question to you today is, is does the way you live your life challenge unbelievers' belief? Or does it reinforce it? Does the way that you live your life challenge unbelievers' unbelief? Or does it reinforce it? In other words, is the way that you live... Does it cause people to say, I knew it. I knew that's the way Christians were. Or does it challenge that thinking? Say, you know what, I've, I've ran into some people who said they were Christians, but they really didn't act like it. But that person's different. Does it challenge their belief? We must live like that we understand that we aren't from this world. And when people look at me, I want them to look at me and say, you know what? He's different. I'm sure many of you have said that. But in a good way, He's different. And my prayer for you is, and us as a church, collectively when people look at this church listen listen, we're real around here and, and you'll find out if I'm very real there are people in this community there are people at your job the church has left such a bad taste in their mouth You know it. I know it. I've heard story after story. Well, I used to go to church, but... Sometimes, we always want to blame what was that person. But let's just be real. Sometimes people have a real gripe. Sometimes people have really been hurt by the church. When people look at this church, my prayer every day is that it changes the way that they think and the way that they view church. Because this is a church that my prayer is, is that when people walk through those doors, or when people see Gateway Church on our cars or on our T-shirts. That they know that we love them. That we're different. And this is a church that will do everything that they can to change the way that they view church. Listen, we live in this world and bad things are going to happen. There's going to be days, whether you're a follower of Christ or not... The Bible says it reigns with the just and the unjust. There's going to be days that it feels like that everything is crashing down against you. The issue is not whether or not bad things are going to happen. Because I'm going to tell you they are. I wish I could tell you different. I can't. The question is not whether or not bad things are going to happen. Things that seem unfair are going to happen. The question is, is how will you respond? How will you respond? What will you do when it seems like everything is going bad? Will you throw your hands up the air in disgust? Do as Job's wife suggested that he do, is curse God and die? We're going to respond in the way that Daniel responded. And in the New Testament, the way that Jesus responded. We didn't even talk about that. Should he have been bitter? Absolutely. He said, I came to serve. I'm going to have the right attitude. God, I don't want this, but whatever your will is. every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor J.W., I am not a follower of Christ. I know that I need something in my life. I know that, that everything seems to to, just to be going wrong and, and, and I've tried everything that I can to fix it. I've even made a decision before well, I'm going to follow Christ. But but it just seems like that, that I can't stay on that path. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor J.W., I need to experience His grace and His love. I need Him in my life. If that's you, you just slip up your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? pastor I need him in my life you may be here this morning and you say pastor I hate to admit it but I probably could use an attitude adjustment I've allowed the cares of this life, the culture of where I am, to determine who I am. I need an attitude adjustment. I need the ability to to look at things and even though I have the right to be bitter, to live a different way and to walk with Christ and to trust Him. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, that's me, just slip up your hand. Raise in my hand. Listen, there are days that even as pastor, before my feet hit the floor, I'm thinking, God, I don't even want to deal with it today. And God reminds me, you're not of this world. They're looking at you. Anyone else? I'm going to ask you to stand. morning and you raised your hand and you said God pastor I need God in my life I want to give you the opportunity and it's not the act of of walking down that aisle and kneeling here that's not what saves you that's not what it's about it's about asking Christ into your life it says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth you'll be saved but the act of walking down that aisle and kneeling at this altar is simply making a confession that, hey, I can't do this on my own and I need help. God not only says that He will be with you, but we believe strongly that He places us in places and around people who will walk with us, who will pray with us, who will rejoice when we rejoice, and who will weep when we weep. And so the act of walking down that aisle is just simply saying, hey, not only do I need God, but I need people who will love me for who I am. So if you're here this morning and you raised your hand, I I, I couldn't leave here without giving you the opportunity to walk down that aisle and to allow a group of people just to simply pray with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to to pray. And if that's you, just walk down this aisle. There's nothing magical about it, but there's going to be people, people who meet you here. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning. God, I am so thankful God, I'm so thankful for your love. God, I'm so thankful for your goodness. God, I'm so thankful that you loved us so much. God, I'm thankful give me not what I deserve. God, I'm thankful for those who are making a decision this morning. God, that they can't do it on their own. God, I know... that this church has played in this community. And God, I know that tears that have been shed, God longing for your love to flow out of this building once again to this community. And God, I'm so thankful that you've placed us here. God, for not any other reason than for what's before me right now. God, you have promised us. God, that you would walk with us. God, that you would be with us. God, that no matter what we do or where we go, God, that your love is unconditional. God, that if we would just call on your name, God, that you would. God, you would rescue us from what we deserve. That we could go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. God, I thank you for these things. God, you have told us that the angels rejoice. God, right now. Spirit speak into their lives and allow them to know that they're no longer citizens of this world but they're citizens of heaven and that they're a child of the King and I come against the enemy when he tries to convince them otherwise God allow them to stand up and say no I'm different I have Christ, I have you living in my life.